Welcome to the Vision Church Podcast. We are so excited to have you with us. We hope this message will encourage and inspire you to walk out your God-given vision. Now here's today's message. Well, let's pray together. Would you, would you pray and believe God with me? Heavenly Father, we pray that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive exactly what you have for us. Thank you for ministering to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Like I said, man, it is great to see everybody. I want to talk to you this morning about the fact that love is generous. Love is generous. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 says this. It says, love is not self-seeking. Now, that's in the NIV. Let me read it to you out of the, this is the Living Bible. It says, love does not demand its own way. The New Living Bible says, love never thinks of itself. And then the message says, love isn't always me first. So, in reading all of this, we find out that love, is what love is not, love is not selfish, basically. So, what's the opposite of being selfish? Love is generous, right? So, with that in mind, we want to talk a little bit about generosity because Jesus loved us so much. God loved us so much. He said in John three sixteen, that for God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. Now, if you just stop right there, it's interesting because love is generous. In fact, giving is the very essence of love. That's what love does. You can't love someone without wanting to give to them, without wanting to bless that person. You know, but what selfishness does is it tries to take what love freely gives. So, with that in mind, I want to do something a little interesting this morning. I want to give you some signs of selfishness, okay? Not that any, anybody in here is selfish, okay, before you jump on me. But these signs will help you be able to identify what, what selfishness looks like. So sometimes it's helpful. So let me give you a few of these. These are signs of selfishness. Uh, you have to be in control. You're unwilling to compromise. How many of you maybe know somebody like that? Don't raise your hand. But you know somebody that is that way. They're very controlling. You know, they, they have to be the one that drives. You have to go to their restaurant. You know, when you're at their house, you have to watch the channel they want to watch. A little bit controlling. Number two, you don't like to give or share your things. Now, I had never experienced Arkansas before uh, when I moved here, but I noticed that sometimes people like to loan you things but they almost kind of treat your house like it's a little bit of a storage. You ever notice that? Don't really, maybe it's just me. I, I, I had a situation like that where somebody loaned me something that I, I really didn't need or want, but I thought, well, you know, I'll, I mean, I'll take it. Maybe we'll use it. Well, it sat in my garage for all of this time. Well, months later, in fact, over a year later, he was asking for it back. Well, when he gave it, when he loaned it to us, there was a little uh, bag, Walmart bag, that he had a few things in, and he tied, and it was a couple of bicycles, okay, I'll tell you what it was, a couple of bicycles, it was this little bag, and it was tied around the bicycle handlebars, well, I don't know where that bag got put, but he remembered everything that was in that bag, so when he asked for all of his stuff back, he was, and so I was like, oh, Jesus, now I don't know where all this stuff is, so pray with me that I'll find it, would you, okay. Yeah, we gave the bikes back. The bikes are gone, but <laughs> I'm 
need you to pray with me about that other stuff. Number three, all right, you think others are wrong most of the time, just most of the time. Number four, you hear constructive criticism as personal attacks. Number five, you become moody when other people are in the spotlight. And then number six, you find it hard to get over or let go of past hurts. Now, maybe some of these things you identified with, and that's okay, because I, I got to tell you personally, two of them smacked me in the face. I was like, oh, oh, I read them, and I thought, man, I'm dealing with selfishness. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 says this. It says, there is one who scatters, yet increases more. There is one who withholds more than what is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, but, and he who waters will be watered himself. So isn't it, isn't it interesting that if you're generous, then your life will be blessed. If you give, it'll be given back to you. That's not what we're taught, is it? I mean, we're taught to, you, you got to save all you can and can all you get. You guys remember the canning days, some of you, maybe. We used to, my mom used to can. But you save it all, right? You can it, and then, and then you have it for later. That's why we have storerooms. That's why we have storage you know, all these storages is because we never know when we're going to lose these things. But I'm telling you this, the Bible is, is telling us in this scripture that the one who scatters, the one who gives, the one who blesses other people, he's going to have more than enough. In fact, the generous soul is going to be made rich, it says. So that makes this scripture make a lot of sense. Acts chapter 20, verse 35, you probably heard this scripture. It says, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. That's, that makes that scripture make a whole lot more sense. So one of the things that I wanted to mention to you this morning, and I thought, felt like in putting this message together would be a help to you, because I don't know about you, I'm a very practical guy. I like very simple things, and if you give me practical ways to go and do things, I, and something that I can roll up my sleeves and do, that helps me. How about you guys? Do you like that? So so what I want to do is I want to give you three ways to give oxygen to your generosity. Three ways to give oxygen to your generosity. So because satisfaction comes only when you're adding value to other people. It's amazing to me the satisfaction that comes to my life whenever Nicole and I are able to bless somebody else. Whenever, whenever we're able to help somebody else. There's a great satisfaction to that. So in three ways of giving oxygen to your generosity, the first one is this, learn to serve. Learn to serve. This is an acquired skill. Not everybody has this skill. I think, I think most people feel like, yeah, oh yeah, I know how to serve, but it's something that we can grow in and that we can develop in. Listen to what Albert Schweitzer said. He said, I don't know what your destiny will be, but one thing I know, the ones among you who will be really happy are those who have sought and found how to serve. How to serve. Man, I think sometimes we have to put ourselves in a position to be able to see needs so that we can serve more effectively. You know, how many of you have ever eaten in a restaurant and you wonder when are they going to come back around and fill my tea back up? You know, I've been sitting with ice for the last half hour. You know, that's a person that's not seeing that there's a need there if they saw the need they would come and meet that need wouldn't they well sometimes we can't see the need and sometimes one thing that stops people from being able to serve is comparison they compare themselves 
And I've found that nobody ever compares themselves on the surface. So we have a tendency more to compare ourselves to the talented, uh, the richest person, the most talented, the most gifted, the, most, uh, the best looking, right? The person with the most influence, the person with the most power. But really, we have the wrong comparison if that's who we compare ourselves to. If you've ever been on a mission trip or you've ever been across town and you've seen dire need, we used to do outreaches in Louisville, Kentucky, and we would go into the really bad, bad areas of Kentucky. I mean, you know, places that you didn't want to be after dark. And, and we would take food, clothes, uh, furniture, household items into these areas, and we would give it away for free because we just wanted to be a blessing in their lives. And I remember this one guy, he came out, and we picked up an entertainment center that we had brought and that was one of the pieces, and he wanted this entertainment center, so I helped him carry it into his apartment. Once we got it in there and we got it set down, I couldn't see anything in his apartment because the entertainment center was so tall. So we're carrying it, we get it in there, we set it down, and I stop and I turn around and look, and there is nothing in his apartment. The only thing that was in his apartment was a little card table with two folding chairs in the kitchen. And I told him, I said, man, you need to come back out and get more stuff. But he had this mentality that, no, no, no. I mean, that's all, that's all I can have. You know, he didn't want to take more. I said, you need a TV to put in your entertainment center. You need some other things. So I, I had difficulty getting him to come back out. But when you begin to compare yourself to situations like that, people that you see that are in great need, then all of a sudden it causes you to feel a little bit better about where God has you, doesn't it? And so I encourage you, man, let's get the right comparison because then we can begin to reach out correctly and serve other people. Listen to what Martin Luther King Jr. said. He said, everybody could be great because anybody can serve. Everybody can serve. Man, all of us can serve other people. And successful people don't always serve. You know, have you ever met a successful person that's not very happy? It's because happiness comes from serving other people by adding value to other people. So, I encourage you, serve. Now, this takes a little bit of a mind shift, doesn't it, in our mind? Because we're not always the kind of people, maybe, that it just comes naturally to want to go and help other people, want to go and add value. And so, the Bible can help us do that. You know, by feeding on the Word and by making a quality decision, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start making a difference in people's lives. I'm going to start listening to their needs. It's amazing when you start listening to people's needs what you begin to hear. You begin to find needs that you can go out and you can meet. So listen to what John Maxwell said. He said there are two kinds of people. People who do what is right and it feels good and then people who want to feel good before they do what's right. So you can't be led by your emotions. Your emotions are going to be here, going to be here, right? They're going to be up and down. And so we don't want to be emotion-led. We want to be servant-led, right? So number one, learn to serve. Number two, live to give. Live to give. Generous people love to see impossible things become possible. Uh, every Monday night at our house is interesting because we do a podcast called The Conversation. And how it started was our family would sit around the table and we would talk about life and we would talk about different things. And when we got done with the conversation, we would look at each other and go, man, I wish we would have recorded that. And 
So God opened the door that we were able to get recorder and get the equipment that we needed. And so we started recording our conversations. Well, now the deal is, is we sit down and we start to have a conversation and Zach and Becca don't tell us what we're going to talk about until it's already recording. So now they want to hear what mom and dad have to say on the fly. Well, how many of you know you can be good on the fly sometimes and not great other times? But it's been a blessing. So this past Monday, we had some friends come over to eat. Uh, Joe and, and Lara Donaldson, they came over to eat. Now, he's the owner of Sam's Furniture. And so I asked him, I said, could you go on the podcast with us? And he said, sure. So he and Lara, Lara was petrified, you know, to go on. But she, she came on with us. And then we had their daughter, Nevaeh, was on as well. And so we began to ask, I began to ask him questions because I wanted everybody else to hear his story. His story is pretty phenomenal. But I was just going to give you a couple pieces this morning. He was telling me about his dad and how when his dad started, they, he and his mom were both retired from corporate America, and they decided they were going to start a furniture store. So their first little store in Springdale was 7,000 square feet, which their ones they have now is quite a significantly more now but this little place they began to sell furniture and it began to grow and it began to be able they began to be able to you know pay themselves out of it and so it began to take care of their house housing for them and Joe was telling me that back in that day that he and his dad used to sit around and they used to dream about what they could do differently to set themselves apart from other businesses how could they serve the community and they began to talk and to dream, and they talked about all the different things that they could do. One of the slogans that their, that their family had was this, is that where seed is sown, things happen. Whenever seed is sown, things begin to happen. And so he talked about that, and he came back to that, he said, because the business, I guess, didn't tithe for some time. They didn't tithe into, into any ministry or any organizations. And so Joe really had it in his heart that he wanted to begin to start tithing out of the business. He said, well, his, you know, not all of them were in agreement on that, but it worked out that he was able to start doing it. Do you know that when they started to tithe out of the business, he said their business increased tenfold. If you can look back in history, just what I've seen in the last year that I've known him, because we, well, two years, we met him uh, when we brought the 99 here two years ago. And, and actually, they sewed into the 99 and were a big blessing uh, to that ministry. But when I saw them then, they, they were not at all at the level that they are now. Today, as a result of the tithing that they've done, the way that they're giving into the community has caused their business to flourish to the point that Joe said, he said, I had to realize I don't need a bigger house. He said, the house that we live in is great. We have cars to drive, food to eat, clothes to wear. He said, what we're going to do is this money is for something beyond us. And so they began to sow and support 23 different organizations. And they've, all, they've already made several movies. They're funding, they're beginning to fund these Christian films, uh, like the one that we're going to see on Friday. And so it's been a blessing. You see the increase that's happened in his life? Why? Because they decided to begin to serve and to begin to love the community. That is so important, isn't it? I heard about this man named Lafayette, an interesting guy. He served George Washington um, and the, the, 
the American army was really struggling at the time, and, and he came and helped him, was a great asset to George Washington. But when the war was over, he went back home to France. And while he was there, he, he went back to what he used to do before, which was farming. And when he farmed, he had several different estates that he would, uh, you know, grow these crops. Well, this one year in about 1786 or along about there, they had a terrible crop that year. Uh, everybody around him, all of their crops failed except his. His crops were not affected at all. They still growed, grew, and flourished. And one of the guys that worked for him said, hey, this is a great opportunity. We should sell. This is the time to sell because wheat prices are higher than they've ever been. And he began to think about his community. He began to think about all the people that were struggling and that were hurting because of these crop failures. And he said, no, now is a time to give. So when he decided that it was, a time, that it was time to give, he was a blessing to a lot of people, a lot of hurting people. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, how? How do I give? God is asking all of us to begin where we are. All of us are at some kind of level where we can give, where we can bless other people. And there's people hurting all around us. Sometimes you don't know until you, until you talk to them, but sometimes you'll sense a prompting, something on the inside of you that's saying to you, hey, why don't you give this person a 50? Why don't you give this person $100? Why don't you tip that waitress $20 and be a blessing to her? And those are promptings that happen on the inside of our heart, but there's a reason behind them. Because we just read that the generous man will be made rich. It's in our ability to give and to bless others that God causes us to increase. One thing that God had put on our heart when we started Vision Church, because uh, it's only, as Nicole said, we're only about five weeks old. We started February 17th was our first day. But before that, we were having in-home meetings. So, you know, we went for a little while with that. But one of the things that God put on our heart was that we would tithe out of the church. You say, well, wait a minute, I thought people were supposed to tithe into the church. Well, yeah, they do. But we need God's blessing on the church as well as on people's lives. And so we began to tithe, and we've sown into many different ministries that God puts on our heart. And do you know that the money has continued to increase? That's why we've been able to do some of the amazing things that God has done through this ministry already. And Nicole and I are just stepping back going, wow, thank you, Lord. But he's faithful. But he's not just faithful in ministries. Whenever a person makes the decision, you know what, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to step out and I'm going to begin to tithe. Man, you'll see God come through in ways that you wouldn't have expected before. And it'll be a blessing, right? Man, man. So remember, generous people give and they see the blessing come back on their life. You know, I read... I read an article, it was a Time Magazine article back in 1988. How many of you remember video cassette recorders? VHSs, woo, yeah. Yeah, those were great. And, and you bought a separate rewind machine because you didn't want to wear out your rewind heads, you know, on your, on your VHS. Interesting thing about VHS, Sony, when those were coming out in 1988, Time Magazine wrote this article talking about the company Sony. Sony had come up with a format called Beta, which, ironically, beta was a, was a much better format. It was a higher quality. Uh, the picture was better. Um, but Sony was unwilling to share 
their proprietary invention that they had of beta with anybody else. They wouldn't share it. And so this little company called JBC decided they were a Japanese company. They were willing to share their format, this new VHS format, with many firms. And so you know what happened? All these firms jumped on board and they started to build VHS tapes. And so you, if you remember back in the blockbuster days, back when you used to go and get your movies, that the walls were lined with what? VHS tapes. No beta tapes. In fact, at that time, Sony had 40% of the market until JVC did that. And then they dropped to 10% of the market and basically sent beta to the electronic graveyard. Why? Because they weren't willing to share. So, make generous decisions. Be willing to share, right? You may be working for a company. God may have an idea that he's placed inside you for that company that's going to turn things around for them. It may be something that would be amazing for that company. Are you willing to share it? Well, that's my idea. Yeah, but if we get selfish, then the blessing won't follow selfishness. Be willing to share your ideas. Be willing to give your very best because you know what will happen? Later, it will come back to you. And do you think that's the only idea God can give you? You're only good for one good idea? No. No, God's got better ideas for you, doesn't he? So, number three, love and forgive. This is huge. This is very important. Because generosity is a byproduct of personal transformation. Some people carry around bitterness, hurt, resentment, anger, frustration, strife. And I've noticed that they're not very giving, not very generous. It inhibits you. Why? Because hurting people tend to hold on to things. They don't want to be hurt again. You know, but what God is helping us to learn today is if we'll step into generosity, the blessing will follow it. If you'll choose to be generous in everything that you do, blessing will follow it. I heard this. I heard this amazing story about this woman. This Dr. Crane, had, he, was a, he was a doctor. This woman came in his office one day, and she said, that's it. I want a divorce. She said, but I don't just want to divorce him. I want to hurt him, and I want him to remember it. Well, Dr. Crane thought about it, and he looked at her, and he thought, okay, I think I have a great plan. I think I have a great idea, a way that we can get back at him. And, she, and he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home, and for the next two months, I want you to love your husband. I mean, over the top. I mean, dote on him, wait on him, cook his favorite food, compliment him. I mean, love him in every way that you can think of possibly to love him. I want you to love him. And then, after two months of all of this love, this extravagant love, and, and once you've professed that you, you would die, I mean, your love is, a, is an undying love for this man, once you get to that point, then I want you to come into him one day and say, I want a divorce. That will hurt him. And she goes, oh. I mean, she got these greedy eyes came on her, and she thought, wait a minute. I can do this. And so she decided to do that. And so for two months, I mean, gave him compliments. I mean, blessed him, cooked for him, cleaned for him, loved on him, complimented him. 
And after two months, Dr. Crane was going, I haven't heard from this woman. So he decided to call her. So he called her and he said, no. So what's, what's going on? Are you still going to divorce your husband? And she goes, no, absolutely not. And he said, well, how come? And she said, I've discovered I love this guy. Huh. Wow. Feelings follow, ac follow actions. Feelings follow actions. This is, a, this is a profound thing to think about. Is if you'll just get out there and begin to do it, if you'll begin to act in faith, then feelings will follow it. Your feelings will always line up with your actions. How many of you always feel like going to work every morning? Man, without a doubt. Oh, I am. I love going. Okay. Well, what happens? You get there on the job. You discover, oh, this sale came in. This is working over here. I've got this I've got to deal with over here. But you discover all of a sudden your feelings begin to change as you're there. So by the time noon rolls around, you're going, oh, hey, I've been at work four hours already. Let's go get something to eat. You know what I mean? I mean, your feelings can fall. Now, okay, some of you are looking at me like, my feelings don't get there by noon. Okay, so 4.30, 4.45, right? You got 15 minutes until the clock hits. You're going, man, wow, this day has flown by. So what you've learned to do is you've learned to take action right? And then your feelings hopefully will line up with it, right? Hopefully. Listen to what Gandhi said. Gandhi said, the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. Mm. Generosity destroys selfishness. Man, isn't that good? Wow. So your goal and my goal every day should be to add value to other people. That should be our goal. Our goal every day should be to think, how can I add value to the, peop to the people that I see today? When you're, on, when you're getting ready to go to a meeting, you're getting ready to go to an appointment, do you ever think to yourself, what can I do to add value to this person I'm getting ready to meet with? What can I do? I heard John Maxwell share this amazing story. He had, he had taken over his first church, and it was a pastor that was getting ready to retire, and so the pastor wanted him to come and help him transition out. And so he came and, and he helped him. And there was one guy in the church that just loved this pastor. I mean, loved him. And so when John started preaching, when he took over and started preaching, he stopped coming to the church. But his wife, his wife continued to come. And so John asked his wife, he said, hey, how's Joe doing? And she said, well, you know, Joe just really loved Pastor, I'm going to call him Pastor Johnson. Okay, no relation. But So he just loved Pastor Johnson. I mean, Pastor Johnson meant the world to him. And, and he said, well, John said, well, do you, think, do you think he would meet with me? Do you think your husband Joe would meet with me? She said, yeah, I could probably set that up. So she set up this meeting, and, and Joe came, and he met with John in his office. He said, we're sitting there in the office, and as we're sitting there, John asked Joe, he said, John, he said, Joe, listen, I want you to tell me about Pastor Johnson. Would you tell me about all the great things that he has done for you? Will you tell me about all the fond memories that you have of Pastor Johnson? And, and so Joe began to tell him. He, be, he began to tell him about all the great things that had happened. 
and all the good things that Pastor Johnson had done in his life. And in fact, by the end of 45 minutes, John and Joe were both in tears, listening and talking about all these great things that Pastor Johnson had done in his life. And so John Maxwell made an interesting statement when it was all over. He said, well, Joe, would you do something for me? He said, listen, will, will you do this? He said, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to love Pastor Johnson first. I want you to love him first. I want you to, to always put him in first place in your, in your love walk. He said, but would you do me another favor? He said, when you, if you have any love left over, would you throw a little my way? And Joe looked at him and he goes, well, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can do that. And so John said every Sunday after that, he started coming back to church. He said every Sunday after that, Joe would run up behind him. John would be talking to somebody else. He'd run up behind him. He'd put his arms around his neck from the back, and he'd say, John, do you know who this is? Bet you don't know who this is. He says, yeah, I know. It's Joe. And Joe said, I have just a little bit of love I wanted to send your way. Hmm. John took the time to make a difference in his life because this is one of the most important keys to adding value to other people. Is it's going to inconvenience you. It's going to. Loving people is not convenient. Think about Jesus. Some of the greatest miracles that Jesus did was when he was on his way to do something else. He got stopped. Somebody stopped him. Somebody pulled him to the side. He went another direction for a moment, and then a miracle happened. And that's happening in our lives all the time. People are crying out. They're hoping that somebody will reach out to them. They're hoping somebody will add value to their life. And we need to be in a place where we can break away. Don't you think? Look at your neighbor and say, that's good. In Jeremiah 13, God talked in Jeremiah 13, Jeremiah was an interesting man. It was an interesting, it's an interesting book because God had him do some, some interesting things. And one of the things was he asked him in chapter 13 to go and buy a new sash and take the sash and go and dig a hole and, and bury it in this hole. So this is a brand new sash. He takes it, he buries it in this hole and then leaves it there, for, probably even forgets about it. God later tells him, hey, go back and dig that back up. So he digs it back up, he pulls the sash out, and he looks at it, and God asks him what the condition is, and he says, well, it's, I mean, it's ruined now. It's not good for anything. And God said, that's exactly the way the children of Israel are to me right now. He said, because they're worshiping other gods. They're busy with their own life. They're busy chasing other things, and they don't have time to be obedient to me. Well, we don't want to be sashes, do we? I don't see, I don't believe I see people in here that are, that are ruined sashes, but people in here that love God. Hmm. Well, in closing, I just wanted to share this one last thing with you. You guys remember the movie Blindside? Back in 2010, um, Sandra Bullock won an Academy Award for Best Actress for this movie. And the movie's interesting because the wife, Leanne Tui, took in Michael Orr, who, who 
his life was basically on a downward spiral. And he was walking out on the street one day. They passed him, actually, and she saw him, and he had shorts on and a, and a T-shirt, and it was in November, and it was freezing cold outside. And uh, Sean Tui, her husband, was sharing one time at an event, and he talked about the two words that changed their life. Because Michael, because they took him in, he had the amazing opportunity to reach his God-given potential. In fact, he, was, he was, went in the first round draft uh, in 2009, and he went, I, I'm trying to remember the team, it was the Baltimore Ravens, that's right. And he was drafted. But he wouldn't have had that opportunity had it not been for these two words that Leanne said. They were driving this direction, they passed him, and she said, turn around. Oftentimes, God is saying the same thing to us. Because what happens when you turn around is your life begins to go in a brand new direction. It may be that, that God's saying those two words to you today. He's saying, hey, turn around. Turn around. You've gone this direction long enough. You've tried to figure it out on your own long enough. You've seen the outcome that it's produced in your life long enough. Now it's time to turn around. And it's time to go in a different direction. That's truly what the word repentance means. The word repentance means to turn around. That you're walking in one direction and you completely turn around and you walk in the opposite direction. You know, it may be that God's saying to you, hey, you need to turn around in your heart and you need to begin to seek me like you've never sought me. You need to be in, begin to spend time in the word and in prayer. Maybe you haven't been reading your Bible. Maybe you haven't been praying and God's dealing with you right now. You go, you know, I need to get more diligent and work on my relationship with God again. Whatever it is that God's talking to you about this morning, He's here. The good news of the gospel is that He loves you. And believe me, in this house, there's no condemnation for the people in this place. We love everybody. But we all recognize that we need God. Let me tell you, all of us were lost without Him. We were all heading in the same direction. But when we made Jesus Lord of our life, He, he flipped it on us. He turned our lives completely around, and we started walking in a brand new direction that was full of life, full of forgiveness, full of love. And I want to encourage you this morning, if the Holy Spirit's dealing with you, if God's dealing with you and saying, hey, it's time to turn your life around, man, don't put it off. Don't put it off. Don't think that we can handle things on our own. I've seen what Phil can do. Believe me, it's not all that impressive. I've lived that way before, and it was not pleasant. But when I started living for God, when I began to seek God and I began to pursue Him and we began to allow God to use Nicole and I to work in other people's lives, there was a satisfaction that came I never experienced in my life because we were reaching out to people. We were helping other people. Now, I'm not saying that we became these, these uh, evangelistic fanatics, okay? We love leading people to the Lord. 
and that's awesome. But we just decided to start living for God because here's what happens. When you start living for God and you start living in the light, it rubs off on everybody around you. So I want to pray for you this morning. Would you bow your heads with me as we get ready to pray? If you're here and you recognize that you need God, maybe you've been living your own way, you've been going your own direction, and you say, you know what? I'm tired of going my own way. I need God's help. God is here to love you. He's here to forgive. He's here to restore. He's here to help. If that's you and you say, you know, maybe you haven't made Jesus Lord of your life and you say, I want to do that today. Or maybe you've made him Lord, but you fell, you've fallen away or, or maybe you just prayed the prayer at some point, but you really haven't lived for him yet. If that's you and you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, I'm, I'm asking nobody to look around here just for a moment. This is just between them and God. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? We want to pray with you. Thanks so much for listening. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast available on iTunes and SoundCloud. Vision Church, vision for life.